Welcome, welcome to the Richard Rance Show. And here I am, Richard Rance. This is season two, episode two. From an undisclosed location here in Thailand. And I am here to talk about what is going on in our world from this perspective. Also posted to podcast platforms such as Apple, Spotify, Radio Public, Google. The name is The Richard Rance Show, so please do log in and listen. I am keeping an eye on the comments here as I broadcast live on Facebook, and the podcast will subsequently be posted. There's a lot to talk about in our world, and I go through a more or less randomly selected selection of news stories that have caught my attention, that I have an opinion about, and I express it. I try to use the best information that I can, looking at multiple sources that I deem to be reliable and discounting sources that are not reliable and that use alternative and false facts. And that is a fact of our daily life now that we have an incredible amount of information to sort through. And it is up to us to discern what information is actually reliable and what isn't. And some of us are perhaps better at doing that than others, and then others will deride us for thinking that we can know better. And in fact, I'm not saying I know better, but I'm saying that I try to look at the sources that have the best information and consolidate my information in such a way that I am observing which reliable sources agree with which other reliable sources, which have peer-reviewed and fact-checked information, as opposed to some of my friends who have unfortunately fallen prey to charlatans on YouTube who will then assert that every reliable source of information is false and only their conspiracy theories are true, sending many people down a rabbit hole where they no longer believe fact-checked and scientifically proven, scientifically agreed to peer-reviewed information in favor of a theory that 
has no basis in reality or is very loosely tied to certain known facts and then it goes way off on a tangent from those that cannot be verified. So let me do a review here of some of the stories in the news that have caught my attention. As we know, we've got a new $900 billion COVID relief bill in the process uh, of passing. And it includes a pittance of $600 for what they call a, um, what they call a stimulus. <laughs> A $600 stimulus. It's a stimulus for frustration is what it's a stimulus for. It's not anywhere near sufficient as Bernie Sanders, for instance, who is always an outspoken spokesperson for the common person here in our country, has pointed out without any hesitation, this is nowhere near good enough. Meanwhile, as is the general habit of our government administrators and government representatives here in the US, this bill is loaded with pork and loaded with money for those who already have money. That is the unfortunate state of affairs in the United States where the system is geared to allow those with money to make more money while the poor suffer. So once again, it's proven. We've got a something like a $500 congressional bill that has been passed for COVID relief that provides very re little relief for those who need it most. And a lot of tax breaks and money for those who already have money. And this is par for the course in our government. That's what we got. We did get some unemployment insurance extension and some unemployment insurance changes in the rules that will allow more people who are stuck in today's gig economy to benefit because today's gig workers do not have the official traditional status of employees that the unemployment laws were originally written for. So that is good. There are some good things in the bill. It's good that the people who are on unemployment will get some unemployment extension. And it's good that some people who do gig work will now be able to qualify for unemployment. It is good that uh, it has reversed 
some of the very unfair anti-immigrant influence of the previous relief bill, which made it impossible. The previous relief bill. I have an internet connection here in Thailand that is not stable. So if I fade in and out, that is why. The Congressional Relief Bill was the last time around discriminating against immigrants. No surprise for this administration, which has based a lot of its appeal to its base on anti-immigrant sentiment. Once again, blame the immigrants, a favorite tactic of right-leaning, right-wing, authoritarian-leaning governments such as ours has been. Now what we've got is a more centrist candidate coming into the White House along with a very progressive, by American standards, vice presidential, vice president, Kamala Harris, who has been one of the most progressive senators during her short time in the Senate. Despite having been, yes, a prosecutor in her career earlier. Although to be fair, as far as prosecutors go, one of the most progressive prosecutors, although that may seem to be a oxymoron, What's a progressive prosecutor? Well, we do have a very progressive district attorney right now in San Francisco, Chesa Boudin, who is, as opposed to being a prosecutor, a defense attorney by trade, who was a public defender and who comes into the district attorney office from the perspective of one who actually wants to reform the broken justice system that we have in the United States, the justice system that is unfair and discriminates against minorities and those who are poor in favor of a obvious preference for lax justice towards those who are wealthy, particularly, and also those who are not members of minorities who happen to be white get a preference in the United States justice system. And if you look at the statistics, you can see that the number of black and brown people, members of minorities who are poorer, far outnumber from a standpoint of their statistical portion of the population, they far outnumber the um, statistical white population in prison. And although drug use is about equal between members of minority, black and brown populations, although soon not to be minority, and the white 
population, we find that black and brown people are far more likely to be prosecuted, to be abused by the police, to be killed by the police. And that is why we need to reform the police. The top Democrats have perhaps wisely avoided the term defund the police because it is easily misinterpreted. When we say defund the police, and I do say defund the police, but we're not saying eliminate the police. No. All right. Um, there is a place for a force that can counteract violent crime. In my mind, that's what the police are for. They should not be there to try to deal with people who are having mental difficulties. They shouldn't be there to try to insinuate themselves in domestic situations that are not violent. And even in domestic situations that involve violence, to some extent, if no one is seriously injured, then it is not the place for the police to come in, guns drawn, and start shooting, which is something that they tend to do. Again and again, we've seen the videos. And thankfully, now we have the videos. Everybody's got a phone. Everybody can record these. So that is something that has revealed to the general population the horrendous abuse that the police heap upon, particularly people who are black and brown again and again. I don't need to go into detail on these. You've seen them all and they are abhorrent and this cannot continue. We cannot allow our police forces with impunity to abuse our populations. Cannot be allowed. And that's what I'm talking about when I say defund the police. We're going to defund the aspects of the police oppression that are unwarranted and that do not help and that actually serve to oppress rather than serve and protect, which they claim to do, that tend to oppress our populations. Those are the parts of the police that need to be defunded and in turn, instead, fund social workers, people who are actually trained to deal with people's emotional situations in a peaceful way and de-escalate situations rather than what the police tend to do, which is escalate them. So that is perhaps complex and it's much easier for the right wing and for people who are fearful about public safety, which again, that is subject to interpretation. What is public safety? Because there, uh, there's again, a, a bias against the poor and against people of color that those who are members of more privileged populations will 
assume that it is unsafe to be amongst the poor and people of color. They are viewed as threats. And this is part of the reason that the police protect property against people and tend to protect the privileged. These are all aspects of police structure and impunity that have to be changed. And when there's a situation that has to do with health, with mental health, with nonviolent situations, with nonviolent crime, it is not a place for the, to send in an armed police person whose tendency will be to shoot first and then cover up later. But did I get sidetracked? Yes. On a rant. So we have new Democrats coming into power. And it has been demonstrated that the Republicans with Mitch McConnell in charge in the Senate are going to, without fail, favor the rich over the poor and the needy and will refuse to help. And their goal is to maintain power at any cost with no consideration whatsoever for the poor and those in need. Now the Democrats, while also a party concerned with maintaining power and also receiving money from the wealthy, do actually care somewhat about the well-being of those in need. That's part of the way that these parties work. That's part of the party brand. And the Democrats are a big tent that include many progressives, such as myself, even many people on the left, Bernie Sanders caucuses with the Democrats. The Democrats... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the squad. There are many very progressive Democrats out there. And that is the side of the party that we've got to fight for. And we've actually managed to change the Democratic platform to include many progressive ideals. And we can push for more. And that's what we're pushing for. And we see some encouraging signs in the Biden administration, we did see Deb Holland appointed to be the Secretary of the Interior, the first Native American woman ever appointed to that post, to a major cabinet post even. This is historic and very welcome because Deb Holland is actually a uh, supporter of the Water Protectors, who is a supporter of Native American rights here who supports protecting our environment, which is something that the Native Americans are known for. They have traditionally tried to live in tune with the environment. And this is part of their venerated traditions to 
respect the environment, respect nature. And that's something that the rest of us could really learn from. And that's a direction that we really need to take because as we all know, there's been over-exploitation of our environment, which has been driven largely by motivations of capitalist direction in our society and in the world that has driven the extreme inequality in our world so that most of the assets globally and in the United States are in the hands of a very few individuals and families who hoard the resources of our nation and our world at the expense of all the people in need, that has to change. And on the more socialist side, on the more progressive side of the Democratic Party, Bernie Sanders and our revolution, we've got the people who are concerned with that and who want to move this nation in the direction of compassionate care for those in need and to make those who are hoarding the nation's wealth pay their fair share so that the rest of us can benefit so that there can be a social safety net in Canada, Japan, France, England, Germany, people, Australia, New Zealand, people who have been hurt by this global pandemic and the simultaneous hit to our economies are being supported by their governments with their taxes. That's what should happen here. In Canada, people have been receiving $2,000 a month for the entire length of the pandemic. Whereas here, we get one $1,200 check, and then six months later, a $600 check. In Japan, people's paychecks have been guaranteed 100% during this pandemic. That is what a government of and by the people can actually do for the people. We have to take back our government. And we're not going to be able to take it back if the Republicans are in charge. Because we know that they are the party of the rich and the racists. Whereas the Democrats are the party that will actually listen to their progressive wing. And that actually have a progressive wing. Because the Republicans do not. And the Republicans are supported by the far right. And the far right is very far wrong. Far right protesters bursting into government offices armed to the teeth. And the far right in this country are white. They're the far white right. And they're wrong. And they're armed. And somehow, because the police are sympathetic to them, because some of their goals are the same as the goals of the police, to protect privilege and property, 
they can go ahead and do this with impunity. Far-right protesters breaking into state houses, armed, and not arrested, not stopped, not confronted by law enforcement. Blatantly breaking the laws. We have, in Minneapolis, we had a right-wing child of 17 armed with a automatic weapon killed people he's out on bail meanwhile members of minorities black and brown people who have committed minor crimes cannot get out on bail the extreme inequality and injustice in our system is something that needs to change. Let's change it. Well, we had the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, chose a replacement as the senator for California to take the seat of Kamala Harris. And that will be Alex Padilla, who is currently, until his nomination by Governor Gavin Newsom, was the Secretary of Education here in California. I say here in California, but I'm actually currently in Thailand, but I have one foot in California still, and Alex Padilla will replace Kamala Harris in the Senate until the next election for her seat. And that brings another extremely progressive, hardworking senator to represent our state. And I am still a resident of California. I still vote in California, and I still follow what's going on there. So we will have another very progressive senator to take Kamala Harris's seat in the Senate. And that is good news. And Gavin Newsom turned around and had to appoint a replacement for the Secretary of Education in California. And he named State Congresswoman Karen Bass, uh, I'm sorry, Shirley Weber, to succeed Padilla as Secretary of Education, Secretary of State, excuse me, Secretary of State in California, not the Secretary of Education, the Secretary of State who has a very important role in certifying and ensuring that we have free and fair elections in California. And Alex Padilla has done a very impressive job there, has expanded the vote in California, has expanded it so that more people than ever have been able to vote in California. And that allows our progressive California population to express their voice. And while we have a right-leaning government in our national Congress, 
that can change. And we've got two senators in runoffs in Georgia, which pit, again, just the obvious contrast between the Democrats and the Republicans. We have Reverend Warnoff and John Ossoff, two Senate candidates who are extremely progressive from the Democratic side, going up against extremely regressive, retrogressive, Loeffler and Purdue, representatives of the rich and the privileged. So that I hope that we are doing everything that we can to help our Georgia senators get elected so that we can wrest the control of the Senate away from the Republicans and McConnell who are the party of the rich and the party who will try to undermine any effort to help those who are less fortunate. Well, I'm drawing to a close on the episode two, season two of the Richard Rance Show. I'll be broadcasting every Wednesday. Thank you for tuning in. Please check out the podcast platforms. Richard Rance Show. Richard Rance has come. Rant and resist. Rant and resist. Peace and love. Rant and resist. Peace and love.